Welcome to These American Hands Podcast. My name is Justin Dietrich. With me is Chris Bishop. And tonight we have a very, very exciting episode for you because we have an exciting guest. I probably should have introduced him before I introduced Chris because they are battling it out on who is running the town that they are both coaching and working in. But with us also tonight is the Jared Shaner, who is the athletic director at Dixon High School with Chris Bishop. Jared, nice to see you tonight. Coach, good to see you too. I uh, when I when I got on, I just I got to tell you, I got a kick kick out of the title of your episode tonight. Coach Shaner in the house. I'm not sure if that's going <laughs> to draw any listeners or detract oh. any listeners, but we're going to have, we'll have some conversations and find out, I guess. Yeah. We're going to have yes. a little bit of fun as we go through this. So we appreciate you being here, Jared. Well, thank you. Yeah. So, so what Jared, I'm going to do. Are... Go oh, so yeah. What I was going to say, Chris, why don't you introduce uh, coach Shaner tonight? I have one question. I've got a question that I'm going to ask before we get to the meat and potatoes tonight. Was, so I'm, but I'm not going to ask right you now. You guys gave Chris, me. Uh, no, oh, okay. no, I'm going off the rails. So Chris, go All ahead right. and introduce uh, Coach Chainer, and then I've got a question. Justin, right on cue. Right when we begin the podcast, the first thing you talk about is going off the podcast. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Jared, uh, just so we have a little background. Could you tell us a little bit about you, not only growing up, what sports you were in, um, kind of how high school things played out for you into college, um, but how you got into coaching and eventually wound up being an AD at Dixon High School? Yeah, I, I would love to. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to start my mine with – can you, and when we just talked about this, but um, can you tell me again the title of you guys' podcast? Because I think it's really important and I think it speaks a little bit to what I'm going to say. So the title of your podcast is These American Hands. These American Hands. And and when I talked to both you and Coach Dietrich um, about coming out and doing it tonight, I was number one, uh, really excited. But, but also, I just thought about um, what I know you two men to be about. Um, and the title of your podcast, and I, and I got to tell you, I'm humbled to be on here um, because I, I do, I do kind of think we're cut from the same cloth a little bit. Um, I'm a, I'm a small town guy from Prophetstown, Illinois, which no, nobody knows about, and that's fine. Um, wasn't a very good high school athlete. Um, you know, had an opportunity to play multiple sports for, you know three years in high school because we're a small school and, and you count on everybody. Um, but one thing I think I did, did pride myself on and, um, don't want to dive too deep down any rabbit holes, but, but because of my parents was just work ethic. Um, and just, you know, not being the, the biggest, strongest, fastest guy all the time, but, but being able to, to go out every day and just give an honest effort, um, in whatever you were doing, whether that was sports or school or life, um, so, so really enjoyed my time in high school, had some great influences as teachers and as coaches and probably my, when I think back, I've thought about this a lot, probably 
probably not until my late junior year, early senior year, I realized that, you know, I had some really good influences and coaches and teachers, um, thought about a couple different career paths and decided that education was where I wanted to, to head to. Um, so went to ISU, uh, was, was not good enough to play athletics there, um, on their, on their, you know, main teams, but did intramurals in different sports, um, and, and wanted to be a special education teacher to begin with. So went through, through, went through my degree there and had some great experiences. And again, other people that really influenced me and knew that I wanted to, to teach and coach at the high school level. And so when you went into teaching and coaching, could you walk us through just where you ended up and what kind of positions you held along the way? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'll just start by saying I've owned lots of houses throughout the state of Illinois, um, <laughs> been at different places. So, um, we'll, we'll, we'll tie this. I'm sure we'll tie this together several times tonight, but, um, so ISU, as most people know, is kind of right, right in the middle of the state Bloomington normal. Um, so my first job didn't take me far and I can remember, I know exactly where I was when I took a phone call from a lady named uh, Fran Karanovich. She was the superintendent at Olympia Community School District. Um, and she invited me to come for an, uh, an interview for a special ed job. Um, and I went out there to the middle of nowhere in into a bunch of cornfields uh, at Olympia. And yeah, that's right. And and we're going to tie Justin in here in a minute, as I'm sure the listeners already know. But, um, you know, got that interview and was fortunate enough to get my first job at Olympia High School, um, where, you know, Justin is a graduate and uh, was coaching uh, football, uh, basketball, and then he helped out with uh, track for a little bit and, and some other things in the spring. From that point, um, I was at Olympia for uh, four or five years and had a chance to move to Lincoln, Illinois, just, just down the interstate there. Um, and really the, the reason that I went to, that's right. Now, another tie to Justin, you guys would think this happened for a reason or something, huh? Yeah, <laughs> I think you actually followed like Justin and you followed a similar path of things that happened. <laughs> we, yeah, we really did actually. Um, uh, so went to, went to Lincoln and knew that I had the chance to maybe be the head, head football coach there. Um, after working with a guy named John Oaks for a while, who's in the football hall of fame, um, learned a ton there from uh, not only coach Oaks, but helped coach uh, a little bit of basketball there too. a guy by the name of Neil Alexander, who's, a Hall of Fame guy, and and probably if if he sticks with it for the next year or two, probably going to be the all time winningest coach in Illinois basketball coaches history. Um, and I know Coach Dietrich works there and and knows Neil well. And and it was important for me. And maybe we'll dive into this a little deeper later. But it was important for me. Um, football was my passion, and I wanted to be the head football coach. But as you guys know, you can learn from any coach in any sport whether they're good or bad, you can learn things from them. And I thought, you know, here's, I'm 25 years old. Here's a chance to go work for a guy who has at that time, 600 basketball wins. Um, certainly I can learn some stuff from that dude. Um, so, so took that job, um, and was in Lincoln for gosh, five, six, seven years, something like that. And then had the opportunity to go, you know, another place, which was Mount Vernon, uh, way down in Southern Illinois, was the head football coach and uh, teaching PE down there and um, was a, 
another great experience. Got to work with some great people down there. And then finally, uh, what brought me back to Dixon was my wife and I are originally from Prophetstown. Um, and, and our kids were getting older and really involved in things. And all of our, I shouldn't say all, our, our parents and in-laws were in Prophetstown still along with some other family. And it was just an opportunity to get back closer to them within, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes. And, and really the, the, hopefully what's my final move was, has just been about, uh, being closer to, to family. Well, we're, we're glad to have you when you came in. I mean, I had been, this was, what was it? My third AD since I had started coaching. So there was some turnover that had happened and we had a lot of things going on in our district before Jared arrived. Um, and we were starting the path. Uh, I would say the right path where the trajectory was going up. Um, and, and I don't, I don't mean this because Jared's Jared's technically my boss is the AD, but we, we really did see a boost. I mean, uh, things have been going really well. And Jared was a part of that. When he came in, we saw an even greater uptick. Um, so it was nice to see and to continue um, even through what we're going through right now, which I know we're going to get through when we're in the podcast. You know, I, I still think everybody is pretty positive about our athletics um, our extracurriculars that are in our in our um, district, so things are going well. So I I appreciate, it, and that's one of the reasons we wanted on you on here is to just talk about some of the things you've kind of gone through as uh, your role in, as an AD. Um, but before we get to that, I, I think Justin's got something for you, and I don't know what it is. So good luck. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, this is this is perfect. This is Titus in exactly the way I was hoping it because. Jared, we've we've brought the crowd up to kind of where you're at right now, yeah. the path you took and where you're at right now. And then Chris, you so I have eloquently to tell you, I am nervous for the first time tonight. <laughs> I don't get nervous talking about things, but I'm I'm scared as to what might be coming right now. So then we get to Chris and Chris, you so eloquently described like, Hey, you're, you're my boss and you know, you're my athletic director. So here's the question that, that is honestly, uh, I've probably had this question on my mind for two weeks. Once I knew that Jared was coming on, um, Jared, how difficult as an athletic director, is it as a boss of someone such as prestigious as Chris Bishop uh, what was it? 2018 coach of the year. How hard is it to come in and be the boss over this guy when you got, you know, he's got the backing that he has, but you've got to try and, you know, still hold your own and, and establish yourself with him. Well, that's a great question. The, I, and I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just going to tell you the first thing that comes to my head and we're going to use a wrestling analogy Vince McMahon and Ric Flair <laughs> me me being Vince McMahon Chris <laughs> being Ric Flair <laughs> oh I I tease I tease um that's not how I would describe well, it I I was I was guessing that it was maybe like a Jerry Reinsdorf, Phil Jackson situation, <laughs> like 1996. That might be it too. You know, like the, the yep. Bulls just won their sixth and it's time to go. 
So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, he hasn't pulled that card on me. And, and just because I don't want to spread the wrong information out there, it's 2017, my friend. Uh, okay, gotta get, gotta get the year. Right. 2017 now, now the th- coach of the year. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, even out of my staff, I'm not the all star. See, that's the thing you don't realize, Justin. God. My one of my assistant coaches, who's a volunteer assistant coach, is the 2017. National Assistant National. Coach of the Year, Bill Eastman. Wow, that's... 55-odd years helping the program. So I am not the shining star. That's um, amazing. And I actually had a, another assistant get Assistant of the Year for IWCOA. So so there was, uh, you know, when things go well, all of a sudden these shiny things show up, you know, and, and that's great and got recognized for that. And actually, Jared, that was your, was that your first year, correct? uh 17 would uh 16 17 was my first year yeah which would have been that year yeah Yeah. yep yeah so it was kind of a fun ride because and justin and i had talked about this before on previous podcasts you know we we had been building the program it was in shambles for a while and i was standing there when the the program was burning around me and we kind of came up (laughs) with things and things really took off um and so it was fun because jared got to come in with you know some really new and exciting things were going on i remember at one point I don't know if it was early on in the season or something. I like took a picture of Jared's desk and I sent it to him when we weren't there or whatever. And I forget his comment kind of back to me, but when we had the trophy, basically I went back to his desk and made sure I had the trophy with me and my feet were up on his desk. So, I mean, you're not somewhat what you were playing at Justin. We play that game a little bit. It's kind of fun. So we had a lot of fun with that. We do. And, and I'm I'm smiling sitting here because gosh it it's only five years ago but it it feels like so much longer at times, um, but yeah I and to to be honest I I couldn't have walked into a better situation, um, not just with our wrestling program but w- where Dixon schools was was going the direction they were going with athletics um our administration and i i have to give uh, you know margo emp and some credit as our superintendent um she knows the value of high school athletics which i know we're going to talk about later on but um she understands that value and and there were some changes made at the top when i when i came in that made my job a lot easier to support our coaches our kids our programs um and i really think that's uh, a key to having successful high school programs. Now, Justin, you were paying attention to that, right? Because you're going to be on the school board. So you want to have answers like that to finish off a question. Well, I'm, I, that, that was very well polished, very well polished. I'll be honest with you. I'm not, it's probably going to be one of my issues and how politically correct I can be. So we shall see. I just tell it like it uh, is. People prefer just conciseness. <laughs> so, just tell how it is and they'll be much happier. So, Jared, one thing I, I do want to ask you real quick and something you just kind of hit on right there. Um, as I've now I've been teaching and coaching for I, I don't know. I've been teaching for I think this is my 13th year or fifth. No, 15th year. I don't know. Anyways, a, a long enough. How important is it? How important is it to have people? at the administrative level that understand not even just when you talk about high school sports, that's obviously a large part for us, but just when you talk about activities and kids being involved in things other than 
just walking into a classroom and going through the motions throughout a day? Like how important have you seen that at your level now? It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and I'll be honest when, when I was, when I was teaching and even a head coach at the first couple stops I made, I didn't, I didn't realize the importance of it. Um, I, you know, when you're a young teacher, you guys know, and you're a coach and that's what you're passionate about. You go out and you find a job that you, you want, or that's open and you go, Hey, I want to be a head football coach. I want to be a head wrestling coach. I got to go find a place that'll hire me. And in a lot of cases, you, I mean, you know, some things about the district, um, but at times, and I, I guess I'll speak for myself, uh, you don't care necessarily about what's happened in the past or maybe who's in charge. You just go, I'm going to be the head football coach and I'm going to, I'm going to do great things at this place. Now that I've been in an administrative role, I, I totally understand how important your district leadership is um, in either supporting or not being supportive of, um, you know, extracurriculars in general. And I don't care if that's your band program, your music program, your football, your wrestling, what track and field doesn't matter. Um, and there are districts that, and I won't name any, but we can all, as folks that are involved in athletics in you know, Illinois or whatever state, you can all name some, you can point to some and go, you know, they're not very good across the board at stuff. That tells me they, they probably don't have leadership that values that. And in my opinion, and I, you guys, I, I think probably agree with me. We're kind of like-minded guys, but in my opinion, that's a disservice to kids. Um, athletics and extracurriculars is not the most important thing. Certainly isn't. Getting a kid a high school diploma and and moving them on to the the real world and whatever avenue they're going to go. That's number one. But I think a huge vehicle in getting to a lot of kids those places are extracurriculars and and athletics i think you nailed it right on the right on the head i mean the you even said you we always say this i say this to my wrestlers you're a student athlete that that didn't the way that was put together wasn't just like oh we just happened to put it that way no student athlete because you're here to get an education and not to take away from anything but to add to it I think not even just for the kids and the teachers in that school. I mean, it's the whole community because they've got families. I mean, you've seen it, Jared. When when the football team goes to the playoffs, just drive around the town, see what yep. the town looks like, and see what people are talking about when you go get your hair cut. I mean, it's it's a cool thing. It, it, it really is. And sometimes, you know, we watch movies and stuff, and it gets played up, and people see it's cliche and blah, blah, blah. But if you allow yourself to open up and be like, wow, I got something I can be – a part of that's bigger than me. It's really a, a great experience. It just heightens things. I mean, I, I don't see, I don't see why sometimes you see pushback against that because if you if you let yourself get immersed in it, it's an awesome ride. It's really cool. Um, one thing that you just said, Chris, that is something that's been a I I would guess I don't want to say it's a revelation because it's nothing that anyone hasn't known for a very long time, but something that hit me years ago when I'm just as a coach, when I'm trying to either recruit kids out or when I'm looking for like, Hey, we got to, got to build some numbers up or what type of athlete or what type of student are you looking for? <clears throat> something I've noticed 
is that um, if if a kid comes in and they're on time in class and they're attentive and they're trying and you know they're 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 teachable, they're coachable, those things. I don't need to know anything else about the kid other than like if they're available and they want to come out and wrestle for me, then I want them, you know, and I, I like I can work with that. Yeah. Same goes the other way. That's a person that's if a, you're I, yeah. Yeah, if you're if you're lazy, if you constantly don't turn in your homework, if you're disrespectful to your teacher, you're disrespectful to your teachers guess what? You're going to be the same exact way out on a baseball field, out on a football field, out on a wrestling mat. Like I, it's not, it's never a, a single thing where, Hey, Oh, they just had one time. I'm obviously we all have single bad days, but I picked up years ago where if I would sometimes get frustrated with somebody in a mat room but then I would look back and say, they're having these, these aren't just, these aren't wrestling problems. These are character problems. These are issues because look at their grades. They're getting, you know, their grades are down. And granted, all kids go through different issues on why their grades are bad. But I'm just saying that you got to build what you were talking about, Chris, that student athlete. You got to build everything up. You know, and you got to hold everything accountable. And if you're going to hold yourself accountable in a classroom, I know you're going to hold yourself accountable in a practice. I I totally agree, Justin. And um, to both of your points, there's no no question about that. But I, I'll I'll throw out I don't I don't want to say a counterpoint, um, but something that I know both of you know very much about, and and in football somewhat. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to make this a controversial podcast, but no, we um, like that. The controversial. Okay, good. all right. Good for listeners. Um, re- <laughs> wrestlers wrestling sometimes wrestling sometimes attracts a different kid, and so does football. Sometimes it's a kid who maybe hasn't always been successful in the classroom, or maybe a kid who has. Um, this is stereotypical and I apologize, maybe a kid who's had some discipline issues or whatever that might be. So as much as I agree with what you're saying, I also think that as coaches, we have the ability to pull in some kids who don't have those characteristics that we're looking for all the time and try to teach them those characteristics. And I bring that up because I know both of you do that. And I know you do it every year with multiple kids. Um, and that's why I bring it up because I think that's super important. The job that we play and the role that we have um, as as men and father figures in, in some young men's lives, I think that's also really important in trying to develop some of those characteristics in kids. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. And it, what's, what's great with that is uh, Justin and I have had this conversation a little bit on the podcast, but I can remember even throughout, this last year during COVID when we'd be talking about, and you'd find yourself talking a lot of times about the kids that were on that edge that you're like, Hey, th- I'm worried about that guy because I was trying to keep him steered in one direction. Now I haven't seen him for months. You know, what's going on at home. I'm not really sure. I haven't seen him. You know, those are the people that sometimes that peek in your head. And, uh, and I know Justin does as well as I do, you know, you, you take on those challenges cause you're trying to make somebody better. And I think to Justin's point, if you're going to pick somebody up, 
and if you see that kid with good grades and they peak interest, that's that's one you want in just because you know they're going to go to work. Um, Absolutely. And so. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a great position we're in, and, and Justin and I have had an episode about to be able to help somebody else get to wherever they want to get to, which doesn't necessarily mean what they wanted to do in the sport when they were in high school, what they found out they wanted to do in their life and you watch them to start do it. It's that's a reward that um, a bonus at the end of the year as a business manager, I don't think you feel the same way. I mean, I'm sure you love the lump sum of money you're getting, but when you're seeing people go on with their lives and there's a positive connection there, it's awesome. I'm going to tell you real quick, if you don't, I'll a quick little story. So, um, pretty, pretty appropriate that this happened to me today. My phone rang this afternoon. Um, a number that I have a kid's name stored in. So my first year at Mount Vernon after I left Lincoln, gosh, it's been 10 or 11 years ago. Um, I drove a U-Haul from Lincoln to Mount Vernon with all my stuff in it. My family wasn't moving with me yet. And I got the contact numbers of two kids that want to be the quarterback on the varsity football team. Both of them were juniors. And I called both of them and I said, hey, my name's Coach Shaner. I'm the new football coach. I said, uh, I'm coming to town. I got some stuff in a U-Haul. Can you meet me at this my new house and help me unload? Both the kids showed up. Um, both of them were good players for me. One ended up being our starting quarterback for two years. He called me today. Um, so the kid, I call him a kid. Gosh, he's, you know, he's 26 years old now, whatever is 10 years ago. Um, he says, Hey coach, how you doing? We, we, you know, we talk like you guys know, a kid calls you out of the blue or you see something happening and you call them, but, but not frequently. Um, and he asked me for a letter of recommendation, uh, to be a, a special ed teacher at one of the schools in Mount Vernon. And I mean, it was, it was just awesome. Um, so Chris, to your, to your point about, you know, the impact we have on kids and how you can develop kids and have that relationship with them. Uh, it, it's awesome. Yeah. There's, there's nothing. And something. Actually... Go ahead. Go ahead, Justin. I was just going to say, Shaner, that something uh, one of your predecessors, Coach Mack, uh, impressed upon me really well was um, that that you never know uh, what you're doing today, what it might lead to uh, in five years from now for someone or something that you said today that you didn't feel stuck or you didn't feel hit, you know, the way that you thought it did or would wanted to you just never know um how maybe that did stick and then five years down the road you're like wow man that look at that kid growing up and it just makes you proud so absolutely and to your point and coach max a great guy and talk about a positive role <laughs> model for uh, young kids but um to your point i i would even say and we've all heard this but sometimes when you're when you're in it and you're coaching, I, at least me personally, I forget these things. Everything we say, the kids hear, positive and negative. Mm -hmm. And and they might not, you might not get a reaction out of them at that point in time. But Justin, to your point, it, it might it might be five years down the road or ten years down the road, and it can be positive or negative. And I, what a huge responsibility 
for for coaches and and teachers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so always remember, Justin, when your camera person's in your corner taping you and that guy misses the <laughs> shot, you watch your words because he's going to hear that later, buddy. I've had a couple yeah, of those situations. Really... <laughs> it happens. We're, we're kind of already in topic one, but I'm just going to kind of state the question just to make it formal. I, I think we're already hitting on this, which is excellent. Um, so the first kind of topic question we had for today was, what role does athletics play in the development of children slash young people? And I, I think we're kind of getting on some of the results we see and some of the things we deal with. Um, but what do you see? What's its role in, in the way someone develops? Yeah. Um, I, I have, I've thought about this for a long time. And as you guys know, as you become a coach, you know, you put down your, um, kind of your mission statement, your goals, what you want to be about all those things. And so I've had a long time. I'm, I'm in year 22 of, of high school teaching, coaching athletics administration. And this is something I hear a lot and I'm, I'm pretty passionate about. And here's what I'll say. Um, High school sports, you, you kind of hear this cliche, high school sports teaches character. High school sports teaches values. High school sports teaches work ethic, whatever that might be. And and what I've, what I've been saying for the last few years is I, I don't believe that's true. Um, and, and here's why. I believe it can be true. I believe that high school sports can teach all those things if the coach is intentional about teaching those lessons, because I've been in programs where very few of those values were taught. It's because they weren't talked about. um, They weren't emphasized. The coach didn't value them maybe. So just because a kid is involved with in a sport or activity extracurricular at the high school level that it's not a causal relationship that if you go out for wrestling, you automatically learn the value of hard work. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, it, it is, it is so much coach centered and coach oriented that those uh, uh, us, our people have to be intentional about teaching kids the values we want them to learn. And athletics is the perfect vehicle to do it for a whole bunch of kids. Like, I mean, there's a lot of them when you think about all these sports and activities and extracurriculars that we offer at our schools. So I think it's the perfect vehicle to do it, but I think you have to be intentional about doing it. It's not that going out for the fall play teaches you to be a better person. It doesn't. That in and of itself, that's not causal. It's that the director that I had for the fall play taught me X, Y, and Z about being on time, about learning my lines so I don't disappoint my other people in the play or whatever that might be. But I, I just think I'm super passionate about that, that high school sports is and, and athletics activities are, are a great vehicle, but it has to be us that it comes from, those lessons. Justin, Boom. How about yourself? I don't know what I can say to follow that up even. That was really good, Jared. I, well, it's a great way. Can you quickly uh, give me what your question was again, Chris? Because I was just mesmerized in that answer. So It's easy to do. You didn't look into his eyes, did you? 
<laughs> I I got pulled in. I'll be honest. <laughs> well, that happens. He does have multiple kids, so that's all I'll say. Yeah, got got my wife twenty five <laughs> years ago. So, Justin, the question was, or the topic statement was, what role does athletics play in the development of children slash young people or young adults? Yeah, way you want to spin that. Well, I and and I'll just add that, um, just the basic understanding of uh, number one, how to how to react around people, how to handle competition. I mean, competition is obviously a good thing um, used in the right way. Um, how to learn how to build that work ethic. And because all of those things can stay with you for a lifetime. I mean, I, you know, when I think about, you know, having good work ethic, you know, I think about my wrestling coaches in high school and the things that they impressed upon me, you know, when I think about, you know, being a good sport and, you know, for me, a lot of these things all are all tied to wrestling, but, you know, all those things, um, are really important and sports are the, I guess the vessel to help teach those things. And especially as kids are growing up, so it's done, it can be done in a fun way that is still meaningful and lasting and, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I feel like Jared knocked that answer out of the park, and then yeah, I'm just stumbling well, over. Well, as the to... as the elder statesman, I <laughs> and this has been a tough transition for me. Is I am coming to a point in my career where I don't have all the answers, but I do want to pass on the mistakes that I've made and lessons I've learned. And I think for for any anybody who's a coach out there who's listening. I, I, again, I'm super passionate about that. Be intentional about what you're teaching your kids because you're teaching them something one way or the other, they're picking it up. So be intentional. And I, uh, you know, I taught and I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the corner on the market. I'm not the smartest guy by far. Um, but I talk to typically boys in football programs and I talk about what you're going to be like as a dad, what you're going to be like as a husband what you're going to be like as an employee for somebody's business and, mm-hmm. and all the things that you can, I can teach you in football that are going to have that impact, hopefully um, in a positive way for the next 40 years of your life. Well, and another thing that you just said there, Jared, without saying it, but that was, I remember this being very important to me when I was in high school, which was goal setting. Like I, you know, learned how to write goal, like short-term, mid-term, you know, mid-term and the long-term goals. I remember when I was 16 years old, I was writing 10-year goals out. You know, I was thinking like, okay, I'm going to be 26. Uh, you know, I mean, they might've been things that either didn't happen or, you know, were maybe kind of ridiculous at, at 16 to be doing those things, but it still gives you direction, which that's the Absolutely. important thing about a goal. Like you, I mean, you don't want to say like, well, reaching a goal is not important. Well, it is, but the most important thing that a goal provides is direction. It gives you something to go because, you know, and you're not always going to hit that, but you can always pivot. And now at least, Hey, you're going in the right direction. You know, you, you gave your something, gave yourself something from that. So the other thing I was going to add real quick too about positive, positive things for sports was, uh, just teaching kids to fail too. Like I, I use that word because 
I'm not afraid of that word. I know you guys aren't, but so many people are like, they hear the word failure and they just think it's wrong. And it's like, no, that's, those are, you know, you're supposed to fail. You, you know, you should hit points in a season and in a career that make you doubt because that's actually how you get better. You know, you put your head down and you go back to work. Um, That's important. Like I want my own children to learn those things and they're seven and four right now, but those things are important. Like I want them to learn to fight. So Justin, that's uh, again, I mean, I got a feeling the three of us could talk for, days but um you mentioned your kids and seven and four and and failure and uh and i'm guilty of it in some sense but um i think that's one thing we're losing as a society is we, we don't want bad things to happen to us to our kids we don't want failure to happen but that's part of growth um and i i think we get that um i hope that that doesn't leave us as a society um, that, that we understand that there, there is value in failure. There's value in, um, (laughs) reaching for a goal and not getting it. Um, that's okay. It's, it's that process along the way. I think that, that is more valuable than the end game. I'm going to piggyback off something you, you, you talked about with goals real quick, Justin, not to throw us way off the topic because I think we're, we're hitting it where we want to be and we're getting the information. But it's something that I do and we're just talking about what people learn. And I'm, I want to see where your process is and then talk about mine. When you wrote your goals, let's say when you're 16 years old, under your goals, did you, did you put any steps with them as how to obtain that goal? Or was it just kind of, Here's the goals and here's what it means, whether I make it or not. Set the standards. Yes. And I make, I I hand out a goal sheet at the beginning of my wrestling season every year. And there's three sections to it. One is wrestling season goals. One section is non-wrestling season goals. And then one section is, I think, five-year goals. And then the next question that they're supposed to answer under each one is what have you done or what are you doing to achieve this goal? So they're supposed to answer that as well. And if they can't answer that, then hopefully it brings some. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was one of the biggest things I think I did a few years ago with it. Um, With myself, one of the things that I started to really do is, we always as coaches talk about, oh, the game's 90% mental or whatever cliche thing that we're using. And we say that, and it's not actually cliche. It's, it's, it's reality. I mean, as an athlete, if you, if you have that ability to know in your mind, I'm as good or better than the guy across from me, you're going to be in a good spot. And so one of the things that I started with the program is working on how do I get that mentality where I'm in a tough spot instead of freaking out what do I do to get into a better position to win or whatever I'm doing? And one of the things that I started doing with the goal setting is, is putting those steps in there. And then I would take those in and I do every year and a couple of weeks down the road, I kind of pass them back out because when everybody's sitting in the chair, it's the beginning of the season, you know, it's easy to say, you know, Hey, I want to be a state qualifier. Well, how are you going to do that? Um, I'm going to stay after practice three times a week and run wind sprints when everybody leaves and I'm going to lift blah, blah, blah. And I'm, you know, they make the goal, which all positive things. And I, I, I try to 
promote those things and talk about, hey, you know, make sure you're trying to be realistic if you can do these things. But then you take the sheet back out because it's just like film. It doesn't lie. You wrote it. It's in your handwriting. Now, I'm not going to make you say, put a check mark if you're doing it or not, but I am going to say, look at that sheet and you be honest with yourself. Are you doing everything that you put down? And yeah, and I'm the same way. Some of our goals will be about wrestling or athletics and some of them will be just about life. Um, and if they want to share as a group, we do that. If they don't, that's okay. Cause I'm whatever that's, that's you, but I am going to make you sit back down and be honest with yourself and see if you're following your plan to get to where you want to be. Now, do you need to adjust what your goal is because you're not, you can't do those things or are you on track to try to do what you, you need to do? And, and sometimes you have kids look at it and go, you know, I'm doing this, but I can do a little bit more. And, and those are pretty cool moments too, when they start doing that. Um, so anyways, it's just something to go. We're, we're going with skills. I think that's a great skill for people to learn, put those goals together. How am I going to get there and go back to it and say, okay, how do I need to adjust this? Your steps might adjust, your goal might adjust. Um, and that's okay. That's a part of it. Be real with yourself. Um, and if you still want to be the state qualifier or, you know, whatever you want to be, are you on the path? Cause I think people that are really honest with themselves, they know. People know if they're on the path or not to what they want to do. So, all right. For sure. Are we ready for the next topic? All right. Here's what we Bring got. Bring it on. As an AD and Justin, as you as a coach, why is it important to get community the community involved in your programs? Why do you need to bring people outside from just the athletes? And the families can be included in this, and sometimes I like to see that more expanded even than that. So people maybe that don't necessarily have a family member involved with your program. Uh, Jared, feel yeah, free so, to start off. Yeah, yep. Um, I I thought about this a little bit going in and, and you, you hit it right on the head, Chris, I think as an athletic director and, and even as the head coach of your program, I think there's a couple different layers you need to look at. Number one, I think it's relatively easy to get support from people who are invested in your program at the current time. So you have four years of kids who are out for your sport. Um, not that you're not going to make people mad, but for the most part, you have those kids, parents, grandparents, supporters who are going to support your program at that time. Um, level two would be if you've been around long enough, you have previous people who have been involved in your program who are who are supportive of you. So maybe they wrestled for you at some point, or maybe it wasn't even you, but maybe you're in a strong program um, and and they just, they wrestled for your program or played for your program in your high school at one point along the way, and they still want to support. So that would to me be level two. And then level three would be people who have really no connection with your program. And I think there's different strategies for getting at each of those. And I think they're all really important too. Um, you know, Chris, you and I are in Dixon, Justin, you're, you're in Lincoln, 
very, very similar communities, um, size wise, demographic, demographics wise, um, probably uh, business wise. But from an AD's perspective, you know, we want to go out and get that support. And a couple easy examples for me is we just put new scoreboards in the gymnasium and football field and soccer field. Um, you know, we're working with a company who's got to go out and get those advertise advertisements in order to, you know, get those scoreboards out of $50,000 scoreboard on the football and soccer field. Um, and we need people to invest that money in us and our kids and our programs. And I think when you can make those connections with people in the community, um, I, I just know from the ones that we did, it doesn't have to be that you're best friends with those people. It needs to be that they believe that you're honest and genuine. And to be honest with you, a lot of the conversations we're having right now tonight, um, if they truly think that that's what your program is about or your athletic department as a whole is about, it's a much easier sell to go out when you need financial, you know, pieces to the thing. Um, so I think that, that those are kind of some of the, um, the relationships I see within different levels of the community. And then I, I, the only other thing I would say before I'll let Justin weigh in here, um, as an AD, I've learned this and, you know, probably as coaches we do too, but sometimes you, you, as, as much as this sucks and I, I'm a positive person most of the time, but you also have to be careful here too. Cause sometimes there's sheep, sheep and, or wolves in sheep's clothing. Um, people who want things, who are willing to reach out and glad hand you and, and make you believe that they're in it for the right reasons and want to do good by you or the kids or the coaches, but, but they have ulterior motives. Um, so I think you have to be careful of that too. Um, it can't just be, Hey, here, let me write you a check. Cause, cause I'm just a good guy and I want to write it to you. You got to really be careful of those things. So, uh, Justin thoughts on, on kind of the community relationship piece. Yeah. Well, and it's always kind of funny when Chris and I talk about, um, coming in to be being head coaches because we came into such I think similar situations where our programs were pretty rough and we were you know not winning having a hard time getting kids out I mean those are that's just a tough place to be in you know yeah and my when I took over as head coach my first goal was to get numbers up like I just I wanted numbers up um as I've coached long enough I've actually kind of I've come to realize there's an equilibrium point for every program. And I think that number is different for everybody, depending on how many coaches you have and who your coaches are and what your schedule is, whatever. But anyways, my, but my first goal was to just get numbers up, which also my idea was get excitement up for the program. Because if you, if you don't provide anything that's exciting, then you're going to have a hard time getting kids out that even want to stay out. You're going to have a hard time getting people that want to come watch. You're going to have a hard time getting people that like what you said, Jared, invest in your program and help you out in other ways, you know, that you need help in. Um, you know, we all know that all sports programs, you know, financially struggle and we do the best with what we can, but we all want a little bit more, you know, for, and, Unfortunately, you know, you've seen the wrestling programs that have like six to eight kids out, 
and you see those numbers and it's just like you feel for them. And there's a lot of different reasons why that can happen, but it's such a, it's such a tough spot to be in because it almost like, like eats itself at that point, the program does. And then the other way is that, Hey, when your numbers are good and you're, and you have a lot of support, community support, um, then it feeds itself, you know, and those numbers feed itself. And some little things that I've done in the last few years um, around Christmas time, I always try and get my guys involved in something Christmas related in the community, whether it's like wrapping presents at uh, a couple years ago, we, we wrapped presents at the police department. They were doing like a, the police officers were taking presents to families and they just needed help wrapping presents. They got us pizza and I got them like 20 wrestlers. And, you know, we went up there and wrapped presents for them. Uh, we've, we've, uh, done bell ringing and stuff like that at the outside the grocery stores and stuff. Guys sign up for an hour or two hours and just, you know, they make it fun, but also little things like that kind of, you know, you get out of the practice room, you get out of the intensity of a wrestling season and you let guys just kind of build a friendship with somebody else on the team or with you and ends up being a fun moment. Um, I like doing stuff like that. And, and the other thing uh, that I've done that's that's been a lot of fun is I try and do whatever I can to have like, I don't want to call them promotional nights for home duels, but I like having like, and I don't even want to say theme nights, but I just like putting some emphasis on some things. Like I do a military appreciation night. We'll get the color guard in, you know, and that'll bring people in and they like that we're supporting them. Uh, years ago, we, we've, you knew coach Manahan, Jared. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We have, we have the Manahan duels where six local teams that are all coached by guys that wrestled for him or coached with them. We're all, we get everybody together, do a bit. We do a rotating thing in the gym and the year that I hosted it, I got coach Floyd B to come up. So we had Manahan, awesome. we had coach B. And I have a t-shirt from that night and I listed, I, what I did was I had a t-shirt made that combined their career stats. And it was like in wrestling, it was like 850 career wins. It was like 150 state qualifiers. And I mean, just like 40 state placers just between these two guys that were standing out in the gym. And I'm not kidding you, Jared. I had. Like, you know, I mean, you know what a basketball game looks like in Lincoln. I had yeah, literally yeah. half of the bleachers were jam-packed. People shoulder That's to shoulder awesome. for a wrestling duel. And it was, you know, it just made it fun. I mean, it made it like a, it made it feel like it was a sectional and guys got up for it. And I think anytime you can bring excitement and you, you, and then, you know, people see that and then maybe they have a younger brother that's sitting in the crowd. You know, and that he wants to, he sees that. It's like, oh man, this is cool. And that's what I mean by it feeds itself, you know, is that, that excitement. So. Absolutely. And Justin, something that you, you hit on that kind of got my brain working when we're thinking about just community involvement and going back to the original question of, you know, why is that important and what does it do? Um, Justin, you talked about the things that you do with your kids and your program and really what you were saying was you were in several instances, you were giving back to the community. 
So even though the the question was framed and we're talking about, you know, how do we get the community involved in, in what we do? I think good programs and, and I know you two guys do it and I'm, I'm trying to do it. Good programs. It, it it's almost a, a circle there where we're, we're doing it for the opposite reasons. We're, we're making our kids give back into our communities um, where they go out and do things. And, and I've had the opportunity to do that a couple of times just since I've been the football coach here in Dixon again. But uh, I mean, and that's really what it's about. And, and I don't want to take a, a way left turn, but I'm a huge believer in servant leadership. Um, you know, I, I tell our kids every day at practice, as bad as you have it, if something's going on in your life, you got it better than 10 other people that are right around you at any given time. So you, I mean, we got to do our best to, to give back to people who don't have it as good as us. So I think that all ties together. Um, and again, I, I truly believe that the good people in your community see those things. Um, and, and they'll come out, they'll, they'll support you when, um, when you need something, if that's the, if that's how you run your program. Yeah. But I think that was great answers by both of you guys. I don't, I don't have a well, let's hear you. Let's hear yours, Chris. Jared knows this because, you know, we do evaluations every year. And one of the things I've talked about for the last couple of years is I have to be better at PR. And um, and that's not just uh, that's not just to promote our like our program as winning or anything like that. That's that's to get people out to come and enjoy it. And for my kids that are there to get that excitement that these people are there for them. Um, and it, it is a building of it. And I think Jared put in those layers, I've never really put it together like that. But it, as you said that, you know, I wrote a couple of things down because I can see the connections. I can see the faces as you're saying that. And, uh, you know, some of mine, my step two is really starting to step in. Cause now I've been 12 years as a head wrestling coach. So I see those faces that i used to see 10 years ago that they don't have a kid yep. in the program but they're coming back either they wrestled for me or their parents came back and they're watching the next group of kids and um absolutely yeah, i've thought about i i was thinking about that today chris with your program yeah we we have in dixon right now we have wrestling fans yeah. that aren't connected to a kid out on the mat and that's a good thing and some of the things that we did to build that one i have uh, larry hummel who's a local farmer former wrestling coach around here that's helped me with the alumni connection. So we're getting those guys back in. And when we hosted regionals, one of the big things we did even in the beginning of that or leading up to that was if you're an alumni, we have a sheet, you sign it, it has your name, your phone number, your occupation, your email. And if I get a senior in that starts talking about what they're kind of looking into, we try to hook up alumni with those kids. Um, and we give you a t-shirt and it says Dixon wrestling and it says alumni on the back. And so they're a walking billboard. They wear that t-shirt or whatever time they run into someone that maybe they used to wrestle with. And all of a sudden we get a phone call. Hey, uh, I ran into such and such, my old teammate. He says, you guys are giving out t-shirts. Well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Why don't you come into a meet? So you're attracting people that way. Um, we've done silly things. We've had staff wrestle one another in the middle of the gym and kind of do a fake quote unquote <laughs> wrestling match. I mean, uh, 
I, I'm up for, for anything. I've done a takedown tournament on our, our football field, and I did it during the Petunia Festival, which is an awful time because it's around the 4th of July and the heat was unbearable. But it was all about how many people can I get to come through that gate? Like, how many people are walking down through this fair, and all of a sudden they see the football lights are turned on, and they're like, what is going on over there? These guys are taking each other down. Let's go check that out. Like, so for me, it, it is about having positive things that are there. Um, I like to bring in the little bit of, if you call it the WWE. Did, did you allow anybody off the street to come in and like get a part of this takedown thing? We actually did have an open Like division. as an AD, I'm like, oh God. Oh yeah, we had an open division. <laughs> now, they That's did, awesome. It didn't quite make it to the level that we were hoping it, actually I should say it's a great thing it didn't happen as in the scenario you're talking about, we didn't have that happen. Yeah, was there a waiver? Like, Yeah, we had a waiver. The we AD is not liable for your knees, mm -hmm. you 48-year-old who used to be a wrestler. Yeah. That might have been in the beer tent all night. Yeah, that guy. We were trying to avoid having those, but uh, we did have some older folks wrestle in that, and it was it was a good time. Um, I would change awesome. the time of the year, and I'm I'm actually going to give this promotion right now, Justin. We're uh, not to let the cat out of the bag, but we're talking about maybe hosting another meet this year uh, on the football field, and it sounds like a couple of wrestling teams in our area are talking about doing that. So I don't know if yeah. you, it's yep. around your area, but it's 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 one thing to maybe think about. Oh, and the other thing we've yes. done, and I stole this from my brother. I'll, I'll finish this. I stole this from my brother because he was the head coach over in Sterling. When you pin somebody in a varsity meet, you've got a T-shirt. And on the T-shirt, it's just got a pin. It's a purple shirt, and there's a white pin on it. And so when a wrestler pins somebody, we do the old throw them the T-shirt, they pick it up, and they toss it into the crowd. So it's, I mean, those are the kind of uh, – fun things that I like to get into. And I know that's kind of going outside the bounds of, of probably where we were aimed with community involvement. But to me, that's how you get people interested to come in. Cause it's a fun atmosphere. People want to be there. Maybe they don't know the sport of wrestling that well, but man, it's pretty exciting to be here. And people are generally kind of in an excited mood when they're there. And, and if you can get that going, that's, it just keeps building. And I, and I think that's awesome. It's a great feeling for everybody involved. Yeah. I guess one other thing that I've, I've, one of the things like when I first took over the program, I wanted to host a sectional, uh, really bad. And luckily I connected to the right people in the right places that were able to make that happen for me a few years ago. And, uh, we finally got one and it was awesome. Like we, we, I had a lot of compliments. I, we took it very seriously. I put, good people in the right places and let them run it. And just, I tried to build up the excitement for, a, and in my opinion, a high school sectional is honestly, I think it's like the most exciting atmosphere because when you, and it's hard to say that over a state tournament, but down at a state tournament, you have, you know, different divisions and not everybody really knows each other. And it's such a big place, but in a sectional and a high school sectional, you're in a high school gym. Everybody's packed in. You're you normally, you might be wrestling a guy in a blood round that you've wrestled three or four the, times that year. And you're like two and yeah. two against them. I mean, the blood round know, just in the a sectional is pretty awesome. Oh, uh, so we, uh, you know, so I, that was another thing that like all of a sudden, hey, 
everybody in Lincoln, you know, in the basketball town of Lincoln was talking about wrestling that weekend. And we were actually, we were on schedule to host this year. And it was another thing that's really upset me, but yeah, we would have hosted a sectional because we were in every other year. So it would have been two weeks ago. Now I think it's okay for me to say this, but we are supposed to be right now. I believe we're going to host a regional for this IWCOA uh, thing that's going on for the state series that they're going to have in June. Well, so listen, Justin, we, we both know you got a contact down there. Let's get, Let's get Sam on the phone who, and get you that sectional that again. Who could that be? I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, hey, if you want to talk about putting the squeeze on somebody, something I did to Jared, is this two years ago now, Jared, when we the, when we hosted the regional? Yeah. Okay, so Justin, we're, I want to host the regional because I know we have a pretty good team. It was kind of the, the later part or latter part of the team that I won a trophy with, but there were a lot of them were going to be seniors and I knew we were going to be pretty good. And we hadn't hosted a regional since 1965. So I'm looking at it in the list of things that we've been able to accomplish. And I'm like, man, it'd be really awesome to do this. So I'm kind of nudging on Jared. Cause you know, the last couple of years it's been like, and I didn't have, up. I didn't have anything else going on that day. Right. So, so I'm nudging him like, hey, come on, come on. And he's like, hey, his point would be we had basketball games that were going to go on that day, and they had to go on that day at the right times because the Hall of Fame, which was our first class, right? Yeah, this is the first class that Jared first started the Hall of Fame thing. So it's our, our first class coming in. And here I am as a wrestling coach like, hello, sir. Um, could we uh, could we host this regional <laughs> to add on top of the stressful day and where you're you're trying to put this together? And initially, you know, he, he wanted to say no. And he's, and he kind of like in a nice way is like, it might not be the best idea. This, da, da. So I finally was like, man, I, I'm going to make one more shot at this. So I just basically wrote an email out to Jared kind of saying, you know, you're the boss. I'm behind you a hundred percent. If we get the regional, if you put in for it, I, I'll take it. It's on me. Like I will sit down in meetings. We will do multi meetings before That's this ever happens. And if you let me pull it off, it's not going to be in your hands. You know, we'll, we'll get somebody else to come in and Jared, thank God, you know, he said yes. And it was a great day. I mean, actually, I don't think it gets any better. The wrestling team goes in the same gym before you go that night. It was awesome. We get seven champs out of 14 weight classes, walk out with a trophy. You know, the basketball team does its thing that night at halftime. We've got people that are introduced in the hall of fame and it just, it was a great day. So I, I appreciate from my end, you, uh, you giving into that. It really was. And and here's the lesson I've learned. And, and I've been taught this by our principal, Mike Grady, but, but I really learned it that day when you have good people around you, let them do their thing, trust them and let them do their thing. And that's when they're good people. And and Chris and his staff are good people. Um, I knew I couldn't invest what I needed to that day in terms of the wrestling regional. Um, but I had no question that those guys could. Um, and that's just a good example of um, you got good people around you, let, let them go, and uh, things will work out. Well, Gary Seibel Chris, appreciates you, that because he's actually the mastermind <laughs> behind the whole thing. Did you, Hey, did you do the, did you do the wrestling coach trick? When, 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 you know, when you're trick specifically, well, when you're, when you're pitching to an AD, 
like, hey, I really want to host this term. You know, like normally it's like a regional, right? Like, look, I really want to host it. It's going to go fine. And there's a basketball game that night, right? Basketball, like, well, doors yeah. doors are opening at five, right? Doors are opening at five. Like, well, what what time are you going to have the mat? Well, what time is this going to get cleaned up? You're like, mat, mats will be rolled up at two. Mats are going to get rolled up at two o'clock. <laughs> Well, so oh yeah, he he does that. But I will say again, they always follow through. I, I don't miss my mark. That's that's right. I will right. tell you that the one thing I'm I'm good at is timelines. If I we if will I get a chance to make it thirty work, people happen. in the gym on a Friday night after a game to set up for the Dixon duels, and then we'll have thirty people after the duels tearing down so we can have another basketball game Saturday night. So. Yeah. I appreciate that very much. Yeah, well, we appreciate the chance. It's 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 awesome for us too. And and like I said, I'd be lying if I don't say that I really do like making timelines and trying to make it fit. I will say that the regional day that was a tight fit. We did a heck of a job on that one. That worked out. But it was hey. awesome, man. We had some had some wrestling guys going into the Hall of Fame too that night. Oh, it was great. The Hay Brothers going in. Yep. So. Before I I want to I want to try and right the ship here a little bit as we get back on to some topics here real quick. But I the reason I want to do it right now is because Jared, you've said this twice tonight, and it's something that I wrote down. Uh, it I'll, I'll say you've said something similar to this twice tonight. But the one thing you just said right there was, you know, you bring in good people when you have good people around you. You bring in good people. And you leave them alone. You let them do their job. You trust them to do their job. You leave them alone. And then the other thing that you said earlier was like you've had the privilege, and I I feel this way too, um, you've had the privilege of working and coaching with and around good people, especially when you were young. And that's – I really can relate to that feeling of uh, almost kind of feeling like you were really blessed to be around those people at that time in your life. And they, the things that you picked up, you were like a sponge around them and the things that you picked up from them are life changing and, and really kind of helped dictate the, the type of coach and teacher that you wanted to be. Yeah, Justin. And I couldn't agree more. Um, I'm I'm glad that you picked up on those couple things, and I don't want to get too deep into this because we could get real deep. But but I'll tell you, as you guys know, um, I truly believe teachers and coaches were called to the profession for a reason because we wanna we want to be involved in kids' lives. We want to help kids. We want to make an impact, like a lot of other professions in the world. Um, that being said, when you have those types of people who you're interacting with on a day-to-day basis, I think it has the potential to change, you know, not only your life, but, but other lives along the way. And I know for a fact that, um, you know, we don't think about it when we're going through it, but, but at the end of it, when, when we're all retired, um, there's no way to quantify it. We're going to have impacted those lives. I truly believe that. Um, and in terms of, you know, just the good people around, I, I can't tell you uh, all the people that I've coached with, whether I was a head coach, assistant coach. Um, I think back to my time in Lincoln, and man, I was I was really blessed there. Um, 
I just happened to be there and had a group of guys around me. We did, and I, and I've not done this at any other place, but we did a we did a one once a week um, guys Bible study night when I was in Lincoln, and and it was awesome. It was a time in my life that I haven't done it since then, and I didn't do it prior to, but it had an impact on me for sure. Um, and it taught me things about who I was, who I wanted to be, um, who, how I could coach better. Um, so I think the things, the points that you're making are, are just ring true to me anyway. Yeah. And I, I just know, like you've said that you've brought it up several times tonight and it's hit home with me because I just think about those people that were extremely valuable to me at a young time in my life, you know, and I look now and, and, you know, now I'm halfway through my coaching and teaching career and I'm, I can see how strong those relationships formed um, my philosophies and my coaching and teaching philosophies. Absolutely. I think I know where this next one's going because it's piggybacking off of everything that is being said here. Um, and so I'm going to state for you, Jared, it's going to be athletic department at the back of this. And then, you know, Justin, yours is going to be about specifically your program. So what would you say is your mission statement or vision for Jared, the athletic program, and then looking at you, Justin, your program uh, for your wrestling team? And Jared, we'll, we'll start off with you. Okay. Um, this one has probably been a little tougher for me than I guess when I took the AD position. Um, as a head coach, and Justin will speak to this in a minute, as a head coach, you have your your thoughts, your beliefs, your mission that you want to go. And, they're, and, and sometimes they're really tied to your sport specifically. Um, as an AD, I'll be honest with you, Chris, I don't think I've done a great job of this. Um, or at least I haven't articulated it. Maybe, um, I know what I want my programs to be about. Uh, and, and I've always from a pretty young age when you're developing your, your philosophies as a head coach, um, I kind of went with two different things. Um, and I have, (laughs) both of them hanging on my refrigerator, uh, for my kids to see every day, but, um, never lie, never cheat, never steal. Don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. That's number one. And that's from, you know, John Wooden, uh, that's, that is decades old and it just rings true to me. And then number two is just practice hard, play hard, be a great teammate and be coachable. And I think if you did all those things within your program within your sport your extracurricular activity uh you'd be on a pretty good path um and again i i don't i i'll be honest i don't think i've done a great job of articulating that as a as a full school program and when i thought about this question I, the reason for that is I, I remember specifically i think it was my at the end of my first year we had a full full coaches meeting at Reagan middle school in the cafeteria. Um, and I, I, I'm sure you were there and I asked coaches to write down on a piece of paper, just like, okay, if, if you had to give me your philosophy or your mission or your 
you know, goals, kind of list the top few. And what I found was they, they were all good, but they were also varied uh, across, you know, and we're talking in, in our situation from middle school, sixth grade girls volleyball through, you know, varsity wrestling. So they were pretty varied and it was just really hard for me to condense all that down into something that was a, a statement that you could articulate and, and not have, and and I'll tell you, I'm going to sidebar for just a second. I just, I absolutely can't. And everybody does it. I'm not blaming anybody. I can't stand the school or the district mission statement. That's six sentences long, two paragraphs. And it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of dang rhetoric, you know, um, that the lawyer put together about how we're going to include everybody and we're going to make kids better, you know, and it's just blabbles on, but nobody in your organization can tell you what it says. And that, that bothers me. So again, sorry, I, I diverted a little bit, but for me, I I've condensed it down into two different things. It's, it's those couple, couple things about just, you know, being a good person and, and working hard at what you do. That's really what it comes down to for me. All right. Justin. Oh, we lost you, Justin. We got no, no volume or I don't. No, I don't either. You're muted, Justin. I was muted. That dang. Mute I muted myself. Well, I'm trying to keep the, the, demon computer out of the audio and if you guys if you have you noticed me jumping up and down and you see my lights flickering <laughs> have you noticed that going off. i would say wiring is not is not your strong suit apparently all right so here's what's going on my wife the, just don't even get me started here my wife co- talked me into getting a cat i did it again. Oh. Look at that. Is the cat Hold biting on. the wiring? That's what I want to know. Is this like Christmas vacation? How? How? This cat, this cat I, is, I we call it the how, Zoomies. How this story becomes about also my wife, my wife decided I needed a cat. My wife that's, got that's, a cat. Uh, okay. Well, All right. That's so what it goes cat, back to a lot. It, yeah. So this cat, we call it the Zoomies. This cat is flipping out up here, and he's going bonkers, and he's literally grabbing the out the plug that's plugged into the outlet, and he's pulling it. And it's also the one that the computer's on. I really don't care about the light, but my computer has no battery. And if he pulls this computer, this podcast is gone. Like, <laughs> and this cat, he's right now. He's in a laundry basket right next to me, right here. God. So if you've seen me like frantically looking like I was, <laughs> all right. Anyways, we probably should. If we didn't lose, I'm over any here trying to listen there. to Jared, and I see you jumping up. Well, all right. So just for any listeners that stayed on through that little <laughs> rant of mine there, cat debacle. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. hey, hey Jared, the um, good news is, is I, I bet you I w- Justin does a little bit of editing this time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't because that would mean I actually have to do something. See, look at that. That little mm. Oh, this just adds something to the podcast, I think, right? 
Yeah, you think this is the only way this ever happened. This but. this podcast could could morph into something just about your cat, maybe. <laughs> cat problems. Um, all right, I'm gonna move yes. on. Um yeah. please do. Uh I uh, so I don't have an outright what I would call an outright mission statement, but uh, we I, I always Chris, you've talked about it before. I like to theme things every year kind of based on some things that I might think are important for our team and for our program. Um, last year's, for example, uh, I knew that we had a shot at being a really good team last year and one of the things that, and I've talked about this two years ago, we were really good. And, but I let, I, I felt like I failed us in a couple spots. And one of those things was like thinking too much of, of what was going on outside and not focusing on, and you guys have all seen the, seen the, the Teddy Roosevelt quote, man in the arena. Have you guys seen and read that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so the Teddy Roosevelt quote, man or in the arena. Cat in the arena. <laughs> this cat is going bonkers. I've never this cat I I've never seen it act like this. What what's the temperature down there in Lincoln? I mean, you could put it outside. It's not gonna die. <laughs> yeah, it's not gonna come back either. <laughs> so not out here the coyote get him. But all right. Um. Anyways, man in the arena, Teddy Roosevelt, man in the arena, uh, was like our focus last year, and so you know, but it was about um people on the outside. You know, don't they don't get to talk about you know as far as us. Like it's it's about what we're going through and focusing on those things. But you know, year in and year out, the thing that I still want to see is. I get so much pride and satisfaction out of seeing kids go through our program and then come back a couple years later and they're having success in whatever it is they're doing, whether it's college or a job or they're in the military or whatever that thing is. And, you know, maybe they weren't the best wrestler for us, but you know that, you know, they got a lot out of your program like that to me, it gives me goosebumps talking about it because there's no greater pride that I've had in teaching or coaching that when you get to see somebody go on and be successful and you feel like you had a part in that at somewhere, like they got a little bit of you out of it, then that to me is just the coolest part. You know, my mission statement is that I, you know, and I've, I have to be careful because even still today, I caught myself. I was pretty hard on a couple of kids in my shop. I'm a wood shop teacher. A couple of kids screwed up. I I was pretty hard on them. And now I I'm that way because I'm I'm trying to prepare them for what it's going to be like. Like I don't want to just like if they make a mistake or especially if it's a lazy mistake. Um, you know, I want them to know like, hey, this is serious stuff. You can get hurt in here. Or whatever it is, you know, if if you're not being cognizant of what you're doing. Um, and so you can obviously, you know, push kids away if you're too hard on them. But at the same time, I want them to go through those hoops. And I, I'm pushing on them a little bit because I want to see them push back a little bit. You know, I want to see them, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to 
fight you back on it a little bit and show you that I can do this. And, you know, I, I always feel like that is what's going to help people move on and move throughout. Go ahead. I have one thing that I am probably known for probably saying to everybody. Um, and that's, that's just do your job. And, uh, it's a simple, simple way to say things, to state them. Um, but it's a lot more complicated than just, Hey, do your job and you should automatically know what it is. So do your job is fulfilling to me anyways, is fulfilling the role that as a coach, my job is to make sure you understand what your role particular is. If, if you don't know it, then I probably didn't do a good enough job conveying to you. I mean, and that goes to my coaching staff too. They know there's certain things <clears throat> that we need to get done. And I try to give those folks the freedom to do what they do well so they can fill their role and define it. And it's taken some years for us all to figure out how those pieces fit. Um, but empowering them to do that. And that's the same thing with the wrestling team. I mean, there's certain roles that people have to play, whether it's a dual meet or we have a specific guy trying to do something specifically in that match. Or if you're starting practice, you know, if, if whatever happens at school, cause I, I actually teach at a different school than I coach at. So I have to travel over there. Let's say I walk in three minutes later than usual. Well, I should walk in and practice should be already going because the leaders in that room already know exactly what we're going to do to start to finish. Um, they know I'm going to come with my practice plan, but the practice will start with our warmups. And that is nothing that I have to run. That is something that's, that's your lower level things that they should take care of themselves. And when you have a good team and you have good leaders, that's what they do. They fill those roles. And it's amazing to see from a time someone's a freshman to where they're a senior, or even when they pick it up before that, um, to pick up those leadership roles and start to, to, to work into those things. And, um, for wrestling, sometimes it's getting a guy to make a weight class that they don't want to make. It's about, Hey man, we need you there and, and you're going to have to pick it up for us. Um, or a guy bumping up a weight class, you know, we've, we've taken our two twenty pounders and bump them up to heavyweight and say, Hey man, we got to have this win in order to, to get things done. But so I, I, like I said, going back to mission statement for me, it's do your job because it's simple, but there's a lot of things that go into that. And, and some of it's physical, some of it's about strategy and some of it's just about maybe you're the guy that comes in and gets everybody up for the day. And, and we've had kids like that. Uh, coach Eastman, I don't give him a whole lot of, Hey, we need these specific things done. I mean, he's been around the program for over 55 years. So he knows Dixon wrestling. So sometimes it's a little nostalgia that comes with him. Sometimes it's about having this older gentleman walk around without any wrestling shoes on and the kids get a kick out of it. You know, it's like, Oh, we got another character in the room. What's going on. And, and, and we're built around that. We like characters. We want you to be yourself. Um, fit into our family. We'll figure out how you fit in, come here and be yourself and, and buy into what we're doing. And everybody's going to get along. Great. Things are going to roll the right way. So this, this next Chris, I, I really like that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, you're I right. won't just 10 seconds here. I, I appreciate that because, and I'm not, I'm not a Patriots fan per se, but what, what I've heard and what everybody hears is, you know, their mantra when you walk in the building is do your job. And that's Belichick's thing, man. Just 
do your job. Know, know what it is. I'm going to tell you what it is as the head coach and then do it. And if everybody does that, we'll, we'll be successful. So yeah. man, when you talk about breaking it down being as simplistic as possible, possible, but really complex in all the details, right. that's it. Yeah, do and, your job. Yeah. That's the, do your job. And you know, <laughs> what's interesting even with that is when you're explaining stuff to different people, depending on who they are, some of them just want specifically, could you tell me what to do every day? And there's some right. who are like, Hey, just paint me the grand picture and let me kind of go down that alleyway. And as long as you can get that thing kind of going the right direction, you know, you, it's interesting to see what kind of things take off. Um, so yeah, I, I probably, I would guess Bill Belichick and I have a little bit different way of going through that process. Um, but, but the, the main point I would, I would definitely say is the same. So yeah, it's right. It's an interesting deal. My next topic that I have for us is, um, and Justin, obviously you've got coaches on your staff. So this question I think pertains to everybody in the room here. Uh, what is your process of hiring a new coach? What are some of the attributes you look for your coaches? Are you looking for certain things depending on the sport or certain characteristics based on where the program is at? Justin, you want to go first? Muted myself again. He muted uh, because of his, I'm really because of his cat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm really lucky that I have two guys that have uh, been coaching with me since I've been head coach uh, for seven years. Uh, those guys have been awesome. Um, one of them wrestled at a really high level in college, uh, Coach Lawrence. And the other, uh, you probably remember, do you remember Sam McShane, Jared? Absolutely. Sammy yeah, was my neighbor yeah. when he was still a middle school and high school kid. <laughs> really that's awesome oh yeah, uh, yeah jimmy jimmy is dad yeah good people yeah i know they are good people so um having those two guys i mean just knowing that you know i feel like they're both in it for the long term like we're all in it you know for the long term and so having that type of continuity is a good thing i have learned something uh that i've i've kind of started in the last couple years um I think it's good to have somebody young in with you, uh, having somebody young that in the program that can um, just kind of almost be at a different level, uh, you know, instead of you being the old crotchety guy just always coming in. Uh, I've had a college kid come in with us the last couple of years. He wrestled in high school, was a good wrestler, wrestled in college. Um, he's come in, he's kind of been like almost an intermediary a little bit for us and the kids. And, you know, he's a good dude. The, the kids like him. Um, and I like keep, I've always also heard that actually it's a good thing to, um, kind of bring in someone new every so often into the program just to, bring different perspective and to ask different questions because it's really easy to get complacent, I think. And um, it's really easy to get complacent. And if you're, you know, like for example, me and McShane and Lawrence have been coaching together for seven plus years, 
you know, it's good for us to hear and see a different philosophy. And so, and you know, we're all open-minded and willing to, you know, we're always looking to become better coaches. Um, I think that's also the important thing about our staff is that I don't feel like anybody, uh, we, we all have our different talents that are, we all have our different talents that are, um, you know, it, that help the kids and help the program in one way or the other. And um, the best thing for me is that both McShane and Lawrence could be head coaches. And so in other words, you know, like I, we, we kind of have this, this feeling of like where we all kind of feed off each other. We all bring different perspectives. The kids, you know, the kids know the wrestlers know that all of us are on the same page. Like uh, I've been in some programs where, you know, maybe there's one or two coaches that have this belief and one or two coaches over here that have this belief and the kids kind of know it's divided and they know like maybe this kid can go to the, these guys and get a different feeling or get, you know, get a different pat on the back when they're trying to be tough on them. And it just creates a huge mess, you know, and it's just, it's, you know, the, the non-continuity is not good. So um, when, when the, when the wrestler, when the athletes know, Hey, your coaching staff is one staff and we're in it together. So if you're going to come and talk to me and badmouth me about a coach that you've had a problem with, well, you better have a good idea that, that I'm going to go talk to him and that we're all together on this. So we're not, we're not doing secrets and, we're not going to have, we're not going to talk behind other people's backs. So, you know, we can bring people in and we can have conversations, but it's important that the kids know the, the athletes know that you're a united front. Yeah, I, I agree. Totally. Justin. Um, and from an AD perspective, it, it's not a lot different. I don't think um, typically in, in my role as an AD, I'm not hiring assistant coaches per se. I'm in that process, but ultimately uh, I'll tell people this. If our head coach wants us a certain person as an assistant coach, as long as they meet some criteria and you can tell me that, that you believe they're right for your program, then we're going to go with that person. Um, Obviously, there's some hoops we have to jump through, you know, um, from an administrative perspective. But but for the most part, I want our head coaches to be in charge of their programs. I, I am never going to tell a head coach who needs to be on their staff. Now, if there was a, a serious issue, I, I could tell a head coach that somebody can't be on their staff. Um, but I don't want to dictate those things, you know, the people that they're with day to day. Uh, that they're working with and coming up with practice plans and all those things. So, um, but uh, in terms of hiring a head coach, um, I, there are some, some things that, you know, until you're really in that spot, I don't think you think about too much, but um, here, here's what it comes down to for me is number one, when, when you walk into an interview and you want to be the head coach of, whatever sport it is for me, you, you better be a teacher. Um, I just think that being the, the, the coach and teacher are synonymous. And I, I don't say that in the fact that you necessarily have to be 
in the building that you're coaching that sport in or in the district that you're coaching that sport in, but teacher in, in the broader sense. Um, I just, I think they're synonymous. Being a coach is being a teacher. You're teaching kids a skill, a sport, um, English, math, science, wrestling, football, track and field, whatever it is. And if, if you can't convey those things in a way that makes sense to kids, then effectively, then you're not very good at it. And, and, you know, ultimately we probably don't want you. Um, so I think being a teacher is number one. And then number two for me is just, do, do you care about kids? That's, that's what, and I, maybe I should back that up even. That's probably, that probably takes precedent over the, the teacher part. Do you care about kids? That's number one. Um, and I think, If, if you what I, I hear people ask all the time, like in coaching circles, we ask, what do you, what do you coach? You know? And as I become older, it doesn't bother me. But when I get asked that question, my, my answer now is kids. What do you coach? I coach kids. That's what I coach. Um, I love football. I have coached basketball. I've coached track and field and baseball. Um, in when my kids were little, I wasn't very good at it, but I coached them in wrestling a little bit. Um, but what do I coach? I coach kids, and I mean anybody can learn X's and O's. You can go buy a book on freaking Google about wrestling strategy, you know. And if you're smart enough, you can read it front to back and and learn how to get out of you know being on the bottom position. But ultimately, it comes down to you coach kids, and that's what I mean by being a teacher, you know. So I think when I when I look for people, that's what I want. I want, I want teachers. I want people that are coaching kids, and not I'm a tennis coach. I'm a football coach. I want you to be in love with the sport that you are passionate about, but kids should supersede that, in my opinion. I uh, <clears throat> I think you made some great points with that, Jared, because that's ultimately that's what you're doing with the sport. I mean, you are teaching. I mean, that's what coaching exactly, like you said. That's that's what you're doing. Right. If, if I'm doing a good job, it's because I taught you right. my knowledge. I gave it to you somehow that I have. If you're performing at a high level yeah. with it, awesome. If you walk away understanding it better, then I've still done my job. I mean, not everybody's going to be the greatest thing ever, but – yeah, I, I think you hit on that. And I think beginning when I was hiring assistant coaches, um, and I've only hired a couple, um, <laughs> I think I was a lot more task-oriented. Well, can you do this? Can you do this? And it wasn't specifically like, hey, wrestling moves or anything like that, but like we need you to do this and practice times or this and this and that. Instead of, um, right. and I think I'm a lot better at this now than I used to be, of, hey, you give me your philosophy of the overall picture. And then I get a gauge of who you are. When you're talking about what you see as your bigger picture, that tells me a lot about you and what your values are. Um, and when, when you get a chance to hear somebody, um, and, and I always think of people that are in my program, like if you ever sit down with Micah, Hey, my assistant coach, and you start talking about the program and the kids in it, 
he's just going to go. I mean, it's just like the conversations we're having here. It's going to be an easy flowing conversation that he could talk about whatever kid for however long he wanted to. And it's because he's got a buy-in on them and he's got a buy-in on the program. Um, and Mike is a guy that I've brought up several times on this, that he and I don't always see eye to eye, but actually when we don't, we find things turn out even a lot of times better than we thought because we give those different perspectives and we both know at the core we're both trying to do whatever we think is best for the kids that are around us. And it turns out it just works really well. It's, it's a great situation. So like I said, I, I think early on in my career it was more task and what can you kind of do? Um, and then it became, okay, well, what's your buy-in and what's, what's kind of your deal philosophy wise. And, and that allows people to fit in. You see how that puzzle fits in when I get to know you. How, how does this work? Oh, well, you know, I got a guy that's really committed and he's really good at this. So let's, let's let them do their work. So that's just for me. Um, here's an interesting topic, especially with the times, especially over the last decade, I'd say from even seeing the coaching side, how do you handle budgeting for programs? And Justin, this would be a program for you. In a time where everybody's budget has shrunk down, and what are some of the things that happen that most of us do not think of when you're dealing with those situations? And just uh, let's let's start with. Well, you're going to start on that one. That's fine. Go ahead. You want me to take it? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm all right. I'm already in. So, all right. Um. Budget-wise, yeah, I mean... Or your so cat can take one, Whatever. Yeah, I'll just bring the cat in. <laughs> Cat's not coming back. <laughs> uh, I uh, So the one thing, at least, about wrestling, wrestling is a fairly outside of wrestling mats. You don't have a lot of money wrapped up into wrestling, so that helps a little bit. Um, things that help are you know some of the things that we've talked about earlier where you're looking for sponsorships and you're looking for people to get that can get involved in the programs in different ways that can help out those things always help um get the kids involved in one way or another um get we we've started a program a couple years ago where basically wrestlers we we do this like fundraising um I don't know. It's it's in late spring because I hate fundraising. I hate fundraising during su- season. I do not want to do it during a wrestling season. Like we do a push up a thon real quick at the beginning, but that's all that we do. Um, but the other thing that we do is in the spring, so non wrestling time before summer, uh, we'll, we will sell uh, business ads. Uh, we'll sell like sponsorships through different things that we'll put on them. And the level that they sponsor to that a athlete brings in. Uh, so when they, let's say a kid brings in $500, half of the money goes to the program. Half of the money goes to the kid to be used through the wrestling program. So if they want a pair of shoes, if they want headgear, if they want to go to a camp, so in other words, let's say they raised $2,000, which years ago I had two kids bring in $9,000 between the two of them. So that let's say that's an average of 4500 They each had access to 2250 
themselves. And they you, they went to the Illinois wrestling camp, which was $1,000. That still left them $1,200 left over. I mean, they bought shoes. They bought, I mean, and it's and the other thing that I've done, I have eliminated myself from that money flow. Like the money doesn't go to me and it doesn't go through me. I don't, I've heard too many horror stories of, you know, and sometimes I think even, you know, some coaches are just caught in a bad spot where some, they put some money down and it went missing or something, but I've eliminated myself from that flow. So that we have a treasure. I have a booster club treasure that deals with all that. And that was another big thing that I wanted. So, um, but that's been a way that our, our program has been able to bring money in to help ourselves out. And, you know, it's at least one thing that we don't have to worry about. So I feel very fortunate that despite the times of shrinking budgets, we've been able to stay afloat. Yeah, um, Justin, I think, you know, a few things you said I, I really sparked sparked with me as an athletic director. And um, number one, you're right in the fact that, um, you know, every sport requires a different level of funding. It, it just does. Um, Chris and I are working on wrestling singlets for, for next year. Um, and that in the grand scheme of budget things is, <clears throat> excuse me, is pretty small. Um, every few years we need to look at, you know, getting a, getting a new mat or whatever that might be. But for the most part, wrestling's a relatively inexpensive sport. Um, but from an AD perspective, that's not the case with all sports, obviously. Um, there are some <laughs> that just naturally, uh, football has more guys. Um, football has more equipment than anybody else. Um, <laughs> some people might not realize it, but cheerleading is an unbelievably expensive sport. <laughs> um, so you just have all these different, different things at play. And, and yeah, it, I mean, what we've seen in education um, throughout the last 15 ish years is when there are cuts, they tend to happen toward um, you know, sports, extracurriculars, fine arts. Those are the first things to get cut. And, and I'm not saying that's right, wrong, indifferent, um, but that's just the way it is right now. So, uh, you know, there was a time when we saw budgets really, really get slashed. Um, and you, you have to come to new funding, funding mechanisms. And for most schools, those are booster clubs. Um, it, it is interesting since I've been at a few different places. There's a couple different philosophies on that. There's sometimes where they are sport specific. There's sometimes where there's one only and each sport has to go to that booster club and ask for money. Um, and then there's some variations in between. So I think for me, what, what I've tried to do as an athletic director is number one, what are, what are the things we need to give our kids at, at I don't want to say a bare minimum, but, but in order to compete and, and, have a program. So uniforms, for example, um, busing. Uh, when we talk about wrestling, you talk about going to tur- tournament costs, um, costs of officials to host home meets, just all those things. You need to make sure those are budgeted in first and foremost. So we have to give our kids the opportunity to compete. That would be like 
the base level. And then you work up from there. And I truly think that when you when you start working up, then more and more of that falls back on the program itself. Um, if you want a charter bus every time you leave Dixon High School, that's not going to fall on Dixon High School Athletic Department budget. That that that's going to be ab- above and beyond that. Um, so that then that becomes uh, like you were talking about, Justin. That that becomes kids out fundraising, doing some sports specific fundraisers that allow you to have that money in a budget and do some some thing some special things. I guess I'd call them. So you're saying we're not getting a charter bus next wrestling season or this year? Well, it's still up in the air, but uh, yeah, that's usually where that comes from. Um, <laughs> just to piggyback, obviously, I, I know Jared's situation pretty well because I'm in it, and and we do we get we get the things we need, and we get above the bare minimum of what we need. Um, but if if you're gonna go all out like the bus or like when we stay for sometimes regionals, when it's even like in Geneseo, we technically don't need to stay in a hotel. But I raise funds if if we feel it's appropriate that it's gonna help our performance on that day, we might stay and that's gonna come out of us. That's not something we expect the, the school to take care of or or we we buy iPads um because we want them specifically. Now Jared's office has some of this equipment, but we want ours to stay within ours. And one of the problems is is um the iPads that get left in Jared's office want still to be ours because the password is still set to the wrestling password. <laughs> so we get a phone call about once a year asking us what's going on there. Um, yeah, but no, we're I'm we're fortunate. Yeah. You know, the the budget thing has changed even since I've been here. Um, we didn't have a ton of money to start off with, uh, but I remember when Karen was AD, and that was the AD right before Jared. She came in, and she told us the one time. Well, I got bad news. All of our, uh, all, all of your budgets you have um, to spend on equipment have been slashed in half. And I started laughing, and my assistant coach went over. He's like, what? "That's not funny. Why are you laughing?" I'm like, "Well, our budget last year was three hundred dollars, so we're down to one hundred and fifty. <laughs> in other words, like, okay, we didn't have a budget." it's like oh oh, geez (laughs) but and that's okay i mean that's what you sign up for because if you want to do those bigger things you find ways and for our funding we've got a great kids club that helps us fund a lot um and and we do smaller fundraisers uh before season we do a cookout which is kind of it's a fundraiser but it does a couple other things one it gets my kids back together before the season they're all together on that saturday uh, and we have a lot of fun. It's work, but we have a lot of fun being around each other. Um, and then two, it almost alerts the public. Oh, hey, it's September. The wrestlers are having their cookout. You know, wrestling season is going to be here in November, and it's kind of a great way to kind of get things going. Uh, and obviously, raises us money. But we've been in a fortunate situation with our kids' club has helped us out. Boosters Club has helped us out um, multiple times, especially when we're buying mats. Um, school district helps out, so we're in a good spot. You know, would we like more money? Yeah, who wouldn't? But um, everything's working. We're getting what we want. Um, and and that's almost where you like you make a wish list, right? Hey, I would like to get you know, to these things. And if we get to that point, then, then we go ahead and we, we splurge a little bit when we get there. Um, but I know every year I need to do this, this, and this. And there's a schedule you get yourself on. 
um, like a lot of athletic departments would do or different programs. And once you start to get the, the feel of that, then you build that up to, okay, let's get our wish list item. And, and that's how I try to run things. Um, and just like you, Justin, it's funny you bring that up. I try to keep money out of my hands as much as possible. I mean, when we do a fundraiser, you know, Kenda is in Jared's office. We go directly to her. I want everything to run through his office, you know, and, and it just makes a life, I think, a little simpler for everybody involved. Even though it might be more paperwork or whatever it is, if there's ever in a question, it's very easy to walk that back to see what, what happened. And and uh, so I, we're very conscious of that. And But it's it's been a great system. Things have worked out well for us as far as funds. And uh, I've, I've, we've been lucky. As a program, we've put some things together. Not long ago, we were not in this position, but there's been some great people that have helped the high school program, the middle school program, and our kids club, and and it's been awesome. I'm going to just two things real, real quick on terms of fundraising and, and money and stuff is, number one, here's what I would say my philosophies um, as an athletic director. Number one, if you do a sports-specific fundraiser, which all of us do in our own sport, then spend that money back on the kids. And we do a good job of that, but but I don't I don't believe in raising some money and stashing it up in order to have a big it's not like yeah. your personal finances. It's not to see who can die with the most. Um the kids are out there raising the money, put it back on them. So not that you want to spend your your account down to zero every year, you don't, but Gosh darn it, if if kids go out and raise the money for it, for something, then give it back to them. So that's number one. And then from an athletic department standpoint, I would say um, this becomes really tricky. When you ask multiple programs to go out and do things and to raise money for athletics. So, for example, at, at Dixon, we do probably two big athletic director fundraisers every year. Um, I try to take the same approach. Number one, we need to spend it on our kids. And number two, it's kind of where, where's the biggest bang for our buck um, without mentioning a, any specific program. But if we have a program that only has nine kids in it, I, w- I wouldn't take a, a huge chunk of money that the vast majority raised and, and throw it all into a smaller program. So what I like to do with those big athletic department fundraisers is try to put them in places where as many kids as possible are getting something out of that. So just two cents on those, those no, topics. I think, and I think that's important. I think that's important for people to hear not only for like the public when we're doing fundraisers, but for coaches too, you know, cause we, we get, yeah. When you're coaching, sometimes you're 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 thinking about your sport all the time, and sometimes you need to go. Okay, there's a there's a, there's other people around here that yep. are doing some great things, and I, it, I I it's great that I'm helping out with that, and I need to hear that sometimes. Like, hey, we're doing this, and we're going to go do this um, to help them out or help multiple people out, and this is where the the best way to do it is. So, yeah, because what we forget is. My my kid that I have in wrestling, mm-hmm. who's a wrestler, well, he yeah. he's also a baseball player. So when the AD takes a little bit of money and helps by, you know, doing whatever, helping with the baseball diamond, 
well, maybe it didn't have a direct impact on me as the wrestling coach, but it sure did on the kid, yeah. the, the seven kids that I have who are right. wrestlers yep. and baseball players. Yeah, and, and just yep. even if, like in our position, you're a teacher, so you see these kids in the community. Even if it's not even one right. connected to you, it's yep. like, hey, I I know these kids, and I I want them to do well, and that's something they need. That's what we need to do. So it's it's a great buy-in. There's a question I'm going to ask that I don't think we're in the questions I originally sent you, but it was something that came up. And by no means, and Justin and I have done this before, nothing, you don't have to say anything specific. It's just an overall broad topic is um, dealing with when you run into like legal issues as an AD and then from a coach's perspective. And Justin and I have talked about these things sometimes. Uh, we, we know it's a tricky thing. It doesn't get talked a lot about a ton, I should say, um, but it, it's something we deal with, and it's something I think even as a young person, you get into coaching and you're and you're, and you're you got all these positive things, and then you run into something like with a legal situation, and you're like, oh, I never thought, you know, being a high school coach or an AD or whatever, I'd be in the middle of X, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um unfortunately as an ad you probably get these maybe more so than a head coach but um here's what i would say number one is always try to take take a step back from the decision that you're making or the situation that you're in and look at it from a a bigger perspective because as coaches we do get caught up in our own thing is it good for us? Is it good for our team? Can I win another game? Can I win another meet? So you want to take a step back from that, I would say, first of all. And then second of all is just document, communicate, um, be very intentional about those things. Because when it comes down to the court of law, we hope we never have to get there. But that's really what it comes down to. Did you document? Can you prove something? Justin, you got anything specific? Um, specific to things I've dealt with or. Yeah. Well, just dealing with anything that maybe has come up that you've had to deal with or how do you even go about it? Like all of a sudden you get, you get, uh, you get something that comes up. What's, what's the first thing that you're going to kind of do as a coach? Um, well, always, I guess in any situation, anytime that you feel like something's going on with one of your athletes, I think take a step back, like Jared said, but um, also just kind of like get down to maybe what the base root of it. And like I said, you know, sometimes, hey, you're not going to be a wrestling coach right now, but instead you're going to, you're going to be a a mentor right now. You know, you might like Jared did a good job of saying like, you know, you're going to have to step back from how's this affecting the team and how's this affecting, you know, our next duel versus, okay, this kid is going through something here. You know, if, if it's one of your athletes, you know, here's something that there's a real life thing going on that uh, sports need to take a back seat to. And I think that's kind of important to remember when, get into situations like that. I, you know, we've, as you and I have talked, we've both been involved in several, I think one, I think the hard situations are when 
you know something's going on with the kid and you can't really do a whole lot about it, you know, other than give him a pat on the back and, you know, let him know that you're there for him. But those are hard situations when, you know, it maybe doesn't directly involve you, but in a way it does because you're involved in, you're involved in heavily in that kid's life, you know? And so, you know, you care for them and you don't want to see, you don't want to see them go through any, um, bad situations and you want them to let them know that you're there. But sometimes, you know, you, there really is nothing you can do other than, Hey, you know, you need a few days off, you know, go take care of your family, yeah. whatever it is, pat them on the back, you know, and like Jared said, step back and, and look at the real world, the, the long, the big timeline thing yeah. of what's important. Yeah. I think for just, for me, that's where your communication with everybody around you just becomes key. Be just honest, open, and here's the situation. And and Justin, I think you hit on it too, is sometimes you're not directly involved. It's not necessarily anything to do with you in the program besides this is an issue that a kid or a family is going through and you're connected through with that. So you, that's where you're just trying to be for them, with them the best you can. And then when you are caught in the middle of it, you know, you're still the same thing. You, you, you're trying to help everybody. You're trying to help kids that are involved and uh, to take a step back. And then, like I said, just, just to be, have very open conversations has always been what has helped the whole situation. Because sometimes you've got two adverse sides that have a lot of emotions that are built up and it's almost like a release thing. And sometimes you're sitting in the middle of that and just watching it. And then, can kind of see some of the energy drain and sometimes things kind of get worked out almost by themselves at certain times when that happens. Uh, not all the time, obviously, but I've seen it. Chris, you're a hundred percent right. It's uh, I've learned this over the years. It is way easier to have a difficult conversation early than an impossible yeah. conversation yeah. later. Because uh, sometimes you get to a point where it, things get pushed off, things get neglected, they they don't get talked about, and then it, you get to a point where they they can't be talked yeah. about in a rational manner. Um, people aren't at a spot where they can do that, so <clears throat> it's it's much easier to just be open and upfront early and often, and it, it's yeah. not always comfortable. Um, but I I love I got a quote on my desk if. From Nick Saban, if you want to make everybody yeah. happy, sell ice cream. Yep. You know. That's a pretty good one. So uh, as far as topics go, Jared, I, I don't know if you set anything up for this or not, but topic, the last one, is basically whatever you'd like to discuss, if you have a topic specific or not. I mean, you can ask Justin about his cat if you'd like to. I'm not sure where it went. <laughs> <clears throat> Um, I don't. I, so when I went through your your list of questions, preparing, um, I got to that one, and I thought we just we'll we'll just kind of see where it goes. I don't know if our listeners are tired of hearing us, or if we just keep like I said, the three of us could we could talk all night. I think um, <clears throat> he's not very good with the technology, again. is he? <clears throat> I mean, he technology is, is hard, guy, right? Oh. Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> you guys are going to be really upset when you I, I realize I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> we got to do this again every night this night. week. 
um, what I was saying, what I was saying, uh, is, um, Jared, I think this is something that you as an athletic director, I think you do a pretty good job with, but, um, how important are multi-sport athletes and how, and secondly, how important is it to you as an athletic director that your athletic programs are working together for the greater good? So in other words, not just programs pulling in their own direction and everybody doing their own thing, but how important is it that, that you know, especially right now with all this COVID stuff where our schedules are all stacked on top of each other. Yeah. But secondly, just in general, how important is it for schools like Lincoln and Dixon? Because my personal opinion is we're not, we don't have enough athletes out for everybody to just to go pull in their own direction. Yeah. You know, and not only is it healthy for the kids to be involved in more than one sport, but it's also healthy for the school. It's healthy for the community to encourage that and to have those programs working with each other. Uh, I mean, you said it, that, that is, um, I guess the ultimate goal is you would have kids involved in multiple things. Um, I have quite a few thoughts on these. I'll, I'll try to keep them brief. Um, here, here's what I want to say. Being a three sport athlete in, excuse me, 2021 is really difficult. It is. I just, we just need to be honest about that. If a kid goes from football to wrestling to baseball or pick your three seasons, it doesn't matter. That's tough. That's a tough time commitment. It can be done. No question. Um, but it does take work on the athletes part, the parents part, the coaches part, um, to, to coordinate all those things. And I think the more well-rounded you can be, the better off you are. I mean, I I wish we had a bunch of three sport athletes. Unfortunately, we're seeing a trend in the other direction, not just in our two schools, but, but in society in general, kids are wanting to specialize and we could do a whole other podcast on youth sports. And whether they're productive or counterproductive to our organizations, but um, a, a lot of that specialization comes from youth sports. I believe. Uh, I don't think that that's what we're about. I I know that's what the three of us aren't about, um, and the coaches at our schools. So we want to encourage kids to be involved in multiple things, whether that's two two sports, three sports, two sports and an activity the fall play and two other sports down the road, um, scholastic bowl and two sports, whatever that is, we want our kids to be involved in multiple things. I, I think that's definitely true. Um, there are difficulties in that. No question. I think, uh, one thing that I, I go back to what I said before, I don't believe extracurriculars teaches in and of themselves, they don't teach certain skills or characteristics in a kid. Um, But I think that the leaders of those groups do have the ability. So when you talk about a kid who wants to be in the band and play in football, and they're both in the fall, 
well, how about we have some communication between the football coach, the band director, and the kid to decide well, uh, what are non-negotiables in each of them? When am I going to perform with football? When am I going to perform with band? So th- those are things that we can teach kids that you have to have those communication skills. And sometimes, again, you go back to we're kind of coming full circle, I think, but sometimes you have to have tough conversations. Uh, we're we're teaching high school kids to be adults, right? I mean, that's part of the being in high school is is growing up, maturing. So, um, I think having all those conversations is important too. So, sorry, Justin, I think I completely diverged. So, I apologize from your original. Don't question. worry about it with that guy. He doesn't know how to stay on topic. <laughs> so you're good. You're perfect. You fit right in. I just. <laughs> like here myself, so whatever. <laughs> Justin, here's. Well, sorry, I'm going to Justin is muted again. <laughs> oh. He's trying to. Well, you're, Justin, go ahead, here's, Jared. Here's what I would say, um, and and I, I want to steal this from you guys at Lincoln. I just haven't. Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but I love the fact when you walk into the lobby at Lincoln High School, I correct me if I'm wrong, the last time I was there, above the trophy cases straight ahead, there's three sport athlete pictures, and they're in their jerseys mm-hmm. holding a bat if they're a baseball, softball kid. I mean, they got a they got a wrestling singlet on. They got a basketball in their hand. Um, I think that's awesome to recognize those kids because it is – Every year, I believe, in in my opinion, becoming more and more difficult to be a three sport kid. Yeah, yeah, that that is a cool thing. Uh, it's when you walk in from the gym and you turn right and walk down by the cafeteria. You have oh, down down uh, that. Yep. And, and it's it's like the I don't know they have enough room for the last twenty, so they actually yep. it's to the point they rotate them now. So once okay. a new year goes in, an old year has to go out. And, you know, gotcha. but it is, but I think the, the oldest one up is still like 86, 87 right now. That's I awesome. mean, you know, so it's cool. And, you know, we consistently have, I'd say six to eight kids, you know, some years more, some years less. Right. But it is a pretty cool thing. And there, I can tell you this, I know of a couple guys that wrestled for me the last couple of years who were good athletes and good kids and they helped us out. And I know that they were out because they wanted their picture up and that's a way they can do it, you know? And so it's, it promotes helping, you know, I mean, and I've got, look, I I have a lot of guys that I'll sit them down, you know, big football guys, you know, big football guys, big baseball guys. And I'll say, look, I don't expect wrestling to be your number one sport. If, If you're with us from November to February and then, you know, you're lifting with football in the spring and then you're getting after it in the summer. Good. You know, and if that's how your commitment is to us, I'm fine with that, you know, Um, because you're, I know you're doing something, you know, so. Absolutely. Hey, Justin, about those pictures up there. I mean, you ever go and see a much skinnier Jared Shaner up there? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Couple basketball yeah. photos. I'm I was pretty sure I, I walked by the other day and saw those. Yeah, forty. What year? 40 what year? Would have, 
<laughs> what year oh, would have gosh. been the last one for you? Oh, maybe. Gosh, uh, I hope Coach Alexander isn't listening. Um, I don't know. We went to the <laughs> state finals in oh five. I don't even know what the year was. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I was an assistant There's with a, him. Hey. And actually, one of the things that I I absolutely love, and maybe when I'm an old man, got grandkids. So I have been athletics. It maybe this is going to tie us all together. I hope. Um, Here's what athletics has done for me and my family. As tough as it has been to leave places I've been, and my kids have been in various grades when we've left towns, and we've cried a lot as a family. Um, I have my boys and girl are in multiple high schools being the ball boy, the ball girl, of multiple different uh, sports teams. And some of them were really good. Like I, I referenced the Lincoln one. Like we went to state a couple times and I have a little blonde boy and two boys in one picture who are in that picture forever. And, and that's pretty awesome. And, and I can go back to Lincoln high school and look up at the wall and, you know, my kids are in high school now and my daughter's out of high school, but, we have that. And I think that's, that's some of the things that high school athletics does, not just for kids involved, but for coaches and for coaches, families. And it, it's, I think it's in our blood. It's what we do. And, uh, it, it provides so many, uh, blessings and opportunities for us. So I apologize for really just, don't, don't apologize there, but, for that. That's, I mean, you're hitting yeah, but, the core of what we're all about. That's exactly why we started this. So that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Yeah. I, I hey. am super proud that my kids, my boys have been ball boys for lots of different teams, literally from Northern Illinois to Southern Illinois. And they are on walls in a bunch, three that's, or four different high schools. That's awesome. Hey, Jared. Uh, so uh, a senior that I have right now, uh, one, one of the best wrestlers we've had come through in quite a while. He's hoping, I'm hoping that we can get him enough duels this year that he's going to break our career wins record in our high school. Um, but he last year, he broke the season win record, but a single season win. So he had 45 wins last year. Broke the old record, which was 42, held by yeah. Colt Hickey. <laughs> Colt Hickey. And um, <laughs> Justin, I will tell you this. I have a spot in my heart for Colt Hickey, and I probably tell more <laughs> Colt Hickey stories than I do of any kid I've ever coached. And that's not well, a lie. And, no, and I and uh, I've got so what I had them do was so they took down his name and I'm gonna go take it to him. I'm gonna go find him. He still lives in Lincoln. I'm gonna go find him and give him that. I Man, think if hey, if cool. if you when you do that, if you can give me a text or a FaceTime, I would love to be a part of that. And I will tell a quick yeah. story. We were hosting regionals at Lincoln. Colts junior or senior year. And I, I'm not a wrestling guy. You guys are, but I saw something I have never seen 
prior to or before it. Colt was, and, and gosh, I'm going to get the details mixed up here. I don't know if this is a blood round or if it was a championship round. Colt is on his back getting pinned. He bridged. I, I already from his know neck. what you're going to say. You know, you know what I'm talking about, Justin. Um, but this other kid had, and I don't know all the terms you guys know, you know, you're wrestlers. Colt had no hands behind him. Colt's hands were, were here. He bridged up on his neck and got out of a pin and then turned around and beat the kid. And again, I don't know if it's to get to the, the championship round or what it was, but it, it, here's what it came down to. This is what high school sports is about. Colt was not going to get beat. That's what yeah. it came down to. It was about his mentality and his toughness. We could we could do an entire podcast on Colt Hickey stories. <laughs> uh, like, well, and on, like, to piggyback on that, I would also say Bam. I have a few Bam Bam Hickey stories too. <laughs> Not that yeah. I'm turned for good, but I do love Colton Bam Bam Hickey. Yeah, and they're. Uh... Great kids, and I remember that match very well. I we Can used to call me? it the exorcism. We called it the okay. exorcism because so give, give, he, give our listeners the actual details. I know what I saw with my mind. I don't know what right. was really going on. Well, the the crazy part of the story is that the kid that he was wrestling was ranked, I think, fifth in state. He was from East Peoria, and the kid was really solid and. We knew that Colt was getting to a point where he was where he was starting to get into that conversation, and he was. You're right. He was flat on his back, and that kid was. I want to say that kid was up seven or eight points in the match at that time. Maybe about it, it was thirty seconds left in the second period. You know, match kind of looking like it's over, and Colt bridged off his head. And what he was doing was Colt was bridging so hard and pushing so hard with his feet in one direction. And the other kid was trying to push so hard back into him. Basically just by pushing so hard into them, they levitated up and Colt and both of them like came off the mat. It was the craziest thing. And then Colt cut through and then he got an escape and he came back and he won that match. And it was, I remember the final score to that match was like 18 to 17. It was something crazy like that. And, but here's the thing. Now what's crazy. Colt never wrestled until his sophomore year in high school. That was yeah. his junior year. He'd only been wrestling two years, but the thing is Colt turned every single match into a fight. Like that's all he knew how to do. He actually, and he'll, he'll tell you this. He wasn't a great wrestler, but he was a fighter. Like he literally would basically Absolutely. Get, in a, get into a street fight with you without punching you. And if you weren't ready for it, I mean, he, and look, I saw him beat the number one ranked kid in state his, his junior year. He beat the number one ranked kid in state. It's the craziest thing I'd ever seen. And, and it was, and the kid threw him like five times in the match, but Colt didn't stop. And he was wild, I, man. So I would take Colt on my team every day of the week for sure. So <laughs> hey, you uh, he make was. sure if you do that, you you share my number with him and call me because I I, I want to. Well, it sounds I like you both a have a little bit of that's. I this will. is what it's like. This is what high school athletics is about. You guys right here. You guys both have a project. It sounds like this week. Uh, well, most of it falls on Justin to be honest. Justin has to take a picture of Shaner yeah. 
in one of those pictures and send it to me. <laughs> and then All Justin, right. when you end that. up taking this piece of memorabilia over to Colt, you know, obviously you got to get a hold of Jared. So you, you're a busy man. All right, I can do this. I'm gonna tell you, right. Justin. Thank I you. thought That's what we're here for. at the very beginning I was a little nervous, and I shouldn't have been. Um, I, I, when you were, when we first started, I thought you were gonna pull out an old Olympia High School photo. Um, my mom sent me one. Gosh, it's been within the last year, and it was. Uh, I'll, I'll name a few names, and, and hey, for our. The people who are still hanging on, I'm sorry. This is just me and Justin because we have multiple. <laughs> Nobody's uh, listening by now. So, <laughs> Olympia High School, August 2000. Me, Mike Troll, Pete, um, Bob. Uh, gosh, was our basketball coach? You know, Bob uh, went to U High. Bob Fitzgerald, Fitz. Bob Fitzgerald's, uh, Joe Minnis. Brian Yoder, we had our coaches' picture taken together, um, fresh soft football, varsity football. And I'm going to tell you what, I look back, and, man, I was a skinny dude. I was, I must have <laughs> been in the weight room with those guys. I'll have to I've, – I've got an old yearbook. I'm sure I could pull it up. So, See if you can find That's something from stuff. way back when. It's good stuff, though. Yeah. Hey. All right. Before we get off, well, boys, what do you think? Did we did we cover a lot here? Before we get off, I'm going to give you one example. <laughs> We're talking about multiple athletes because this came to my to my head, uh, and this actually fits a profile of a couple of guys. So, there's a class that went through Dixon High School that part of these guys. Well, obviously, if they're on this list, they've wrestled. So, I'm not going to give their names, but they won. They took third place as a wrestling team in their career. Okay, so they have a state medal. They took third place. They played in multiple football playoffs for the IHSA, and they took home a trophy for baseball, placing fourth. So there's people that have hit that trifecta. I mean, and and just think about all that success that just kept building, and they bring it to the other people. You know, hey, we did this in this sport once, so like we've kind of got a feel for how this thing goes. And those people know how things start to roll. And it's just kind of fun to see, you know, that's something I think about with some of those kids in those classes from those years. And hopefully we have that again. That it's like, look, if we want to be good as a whole, you need those people to be in those different places. And all that is contributing to success. Because if I'm successful here and we are as a group here and I travel to this group, I'm going to bring some of those traits with us and it's going to catch on. And then we're going to transfer some of these people over here. And we're just going to keep keep the train rolling, and it's it's a cool thing to see. And I think that speaks volumes to people that are able to do that. And as a coach, I mean, that's just – you get another person, even if they aren't the star for your sport, but they have fulfilled a really good role in, in successful teams and have learned about that. It's contagious to other people around them. Chris, you are right. 100% right. And I would say just for me and you at, in Dixon public schools, um, we need to, you need to hold me accountable to make sure we talk about that group. Cause you are exactly right. And I would throw in some of those kids went from football to not, yeah, not right. wrestling, but basketball. And they won a regional championship that year that yeah. 
that year too. So what a great group to look at. Um, at probably, I would guess, 12 or 15 kids in that group that really made a commitment to three different sports and yeah, were really I, good I at all. And very supportive. Even when they weren't in so, another sport, you saw them all the time at the school supporting somebody else in another one. I mean, it was just a culture of of give it back to everybody else. Let's bring everybody up. And I still think we're, we're there. It's just that one group had a lot of success, and it was a really fun time to be in that the whole thing. You know, we're still riding on some of that. It's just – can we have that cycle kind of keep going? That's going to be the question. Yep. So, so Jared, oh, well, I'm going to toot my own horn for a second, but I myself, and I will say of my, none of my own doing, but I was on five state qualifying teams in high school, three state placing that's, teams. That's pretty impressive. And, and, but Jared, I don't know if you remember my senior class, but how good we were just across the board. I absolutely I mean, you do. Re- you remember Gina Rollins? Gina Rollins was a two-time state oh. champ in 400 meter dash. Yeah, we had yeah. Josh Collins was a two-time state champ in wrestling. Uh, my senior year, we were absolutely loaded in wrestling. We were good. Oh, um, baseball, we were ranked second in state when we got beat by Eureka but they ended up placing fourth. Yeah. And then we, and then the year after I graduated baseball, one state. So, yeah, no, I, I, you're, you're right. I, I got luck. I've been fortunate my entire career. Um, and it really started at Olympia high school when I came in there. I mean, we were solid across the board and things. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you, have you ever counted on coaching wise how many programs you've been a part of that have been like state qualifiers? That would I be haven't. a pretty cool um, thing to think it'd be about. Interesting to you've know. Been, yeah, because because you've had a lot. So I have. I've I've been really fortunate to be in some good programs and be with good coaches and good kids. And um, I think uh, you know I got a little while left, but at the end of it, I, it it's going to be fun to look back on and think about those things for sure. Well, I I definitely agree that th- that it is contagious, and I I felt that when I was in high school, that my senior group or my my class that I went through high school with, I mean, I don't know, I felt like we were a little bit different, and we I was around the the people that I was around made me better because people wanted to be in the weight room. We wanted to go to camp over summer. We wanted to be together. We wanted to work hard. And no matter what sport I was in, for me, it was either baseball or wrestling. It didn't matter. I was around people that wanted to win all the time. I was around coaches that wanted to win, that knew how to win. And that's contagious, you know, and you just, those things really create that atmosphere and other programs see that and they want that. Absolutely. Well, I think the cat probably made the episode just that much better. It was already like here and then it went to there. So I appreciate everybody's time. It's it's too bad it's too bad we're not recording the visual yet because that was probably pretty entertaining if you could go back and watch that video. I thought about leaving bit. my computer for a little while, honestly, because I was 
I I was try, I'm paying like? attention to Jared. He's he's making some great points, and then the other corner of my eye, the lights are turning off, and Justin is like scrambling doing something, and it's just like a back and forth of. I'm gone. I'm there one minute. I thought, I'm gone like, the next your wall, minute. Like your wires are just faulty, and I'm like, what is he doing back there? Like, has he just got something he's trying to string together back there? I did not. I would not have guessed it was a was a cat. No, just a so. cat. Yeah, that's how it goes. All right. Well, boys, hey, well, I listen, think we're gonna, I we should probably guys, call it a I, night. I have had, yeah, I've had a great time talking to you guys. It was, it was really fun. Um, I enjoyed talking high school athletics with you guys, and I really do um, appreciate what you guys do. I know what both of you are about firsthand. Um, I hope that we're, you know, like you said before we get on air, Justin. I. I hope we're reaching a few people um, that may, maybe they're younger coaches or uh, whatever it might be, but I hope we're reaching some people that uh, listen to us a little bit and can take something from it. So I uh, really enjoyed being on with you guys. Thanks for having me. See ya. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for, yeah, Jared, thanks for jumping on. It was awesome having you bringing in a, different perspective and you know especially from your administrative uh duties of the things that you've seen and all the different places you've been to um definitely i think added to the conversation and really helped us out a lot so we are going to leave you guys this evening uh please if you can take this take this podcast take this episode and text it to one friend of yours and say, hey, listen to these three kooks that talked about uh, high school sports and listen to all their stories and help us get the word about out about what we're trying to do. And hopefully we can continue to reach people and, and spread a positive message. And uh, we've got more guests lined up. But Jared, it was awesome you being our uh, first inaugural guest on These American Hands. Thanks, guys. Phenomenal job. All right, guys. Appreciate well, it. and with that, the these are American Hands. Thanks for joining in, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>